Good evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 63 of your fortnightly manga discussion podcast. We are recording on the 1st of November 2020. Now we are free from the horrors of Halloween and this will be released on the 10th of November 2020. So by then I'm pretty sure Christmas will have fully taken over every shop um those that are still open um <laughs> oh well um, my name is elliot page and i'm joined as always by my lovely co-host mr andy hanley how you doing andy yeah i'm, I'm doing fine so, trying to wrap my head around the fact that it is in fact november uh, which seems to have kind of like come along and, and mugged me somehow but uh yeah I'm, I'm doing fine yeah weird like very stupid dumb anecdote i i was just, i was gripped by the need to buy like fireworks just to you know fuck it let's fire off some fireworks um you see them all the time in freaking anime don't you um but most of the stores around here in fact all of the stores that normally would sell fireworks have just skipped over them for this year because yo there's a pandemic on and f it like we haven't had time to even sell the the halloween stuff now we've got to sell the christmas stuff so kind of don't blame them but at the same time i'm like man i wanted to blow something up (laughs) yeah it is i'm not even sure whether that's like a regulation thing or official because i know there was definitely talk of like please don't have firework parties which it's certainly had little to no impact in my neck of the woods where we've had fireworks every night for the past fortnight so someone has been stockpiling and has been like finally this this is all my my grand plan has come to fruition i knew this would happen someday yeah finally all cats will not be fearful anymore um i mean we had one person um go down the street with their bicycle who had a like a a sparkler fountain like in the front basket which seems highly suspect quite frankly (laughs) although it did look hilarious um i just hope they're okay because that seems like a really bad idea um but yeah i was just looking for any old sort of like small garden variety but yeah most of the stores have just gone no nah, we haven't had time for them so mm, sorry <laughs> just time just time to, to find some dodgy website that sells gunpowder and make your own i guess god i'm gonna yeah let's do that and blow up my shed like <laughs> the, i've only had this is this is where we have to have a please don't try this at home comment yeah this is this is the um do it yourself at home dr stone um episode i guess <laughs> shortly before i blow myself up uh, but no no silly explosions this episode um thankfully um if you <laughs> segueing if you like what we're doing on this podcast and want us to um, want to help us out um, with a little bit of money um not to go towards fireworks but more manga you can support us on patreon um for the mere sum of one dollar a month you get bonus episodes every Every month and from three dollars a month you get to vote on what those bonus episodes cover hooray um also on um, that notice we have our shout outs tier um we have mr rob jessup to thank for supporting us at twelve dollars a month thank you ever so much rob um so moving on we'd normally have returning champions here um but i got myself wires crossed and so what i thought was returning champion hasn't returned at all and in fact we never talked about so um i've put it as my choice for next episode so look forward to finding out what that is later so uh mind if i kick off first with my pick for this episode andy no, go go for it. I, I feel like, given what you told me before this podcast, this is very like on brand for you today. So I'm I'm going to let you fire away. Ha, yeah, given that. Um, so basically, with this whole lockdown thing, and all, even before, I have my cat living with me, um, Ruby. Um, follow me on Twitter for more pictures of her, bless her. Um, and so she has basically let me know about the wonders of hate of taking naps, bloody well everywhere, either on me or next to me, or just somewhere in the house. Um, and I've been accidentally having more naps. I guess this is what happens when you hit thirty-five. You just need sleep um at stupid times but anyway i picked um sleepy princess in the demon castle volume one um the author is 
man, I'm going to mispronounce this so bad. Um, Kajiji um, Kumano Mata, um, which apparently the pen name is named after the teddy bear that the author hugs every night, which is pretty cute on its own. Um, it's published by Viz. It's not complete at the moment. It's 13 volumes in English and 16 volumes in Japanese. You can buy it physically or digitally. Um, my general place for picking it up is Kobo because it's slightly cheaper there. Um, it was on sale semi-recently when we picked this. So there's that if you have a few volumes. And... Um, basically it's set in a genericized fantasy world, um, a fantastical one for sure, um, where the princess of the human kingdom of good rest, um, which is a gag you only really get when you read it out loud, um, has been kidnapped. Oh no. Um, princess Silis, I believe. And she has a very luxurious, um, set of night clothes, which the author must hate drawing constantly because damn. And so she gets kidnapped in a demon castle. They're not going to abuse her. They're going to look after her. Like she's a hostage, a useful bargaining chip. This isn't like tis time for torture princess where they like waft Udon in her face, etc., etc. But no, but she's just bored now because she's got nothing to do. She used to have some official duties to do but now she's stuck in this big old demon castle it's kind of not very conducive to hosting guests um the demons themselves are a funny old lot um who like to tromp past her cell and so she needs to find materials to have a good night's sleep and so she basically becomes the unholy terror of this castle of uh, poor bastard demons as she rampages around abusing and using most of the denizens and anyone who has the bad luck of proving useful to her to her to in order to have a good night's sleep so first of all she manages to put together a pillow and then finds a better bed and some bed sheets and then needs to put up a mosquito net and other sort of things that make sure that she can have a good night's sleep um the gate the series itself is based slightly on a fantasy um, video game world and at one part in the story when she slips over and falls into lava she turns into a dragon quest style headstone and then wakes up in a coffin so it's all in good fun and the demon lord himself isn't really trying to take over the world i mean he says he is but he's more just there for quote game balance as his bio mentions so the whole thing it kind of it, like it, you think wow this sounds like an asshole and she kind of is but the reason it works is because the princess is entirely dispassionate and kind of doesn't really give a fig um she's quite selfish but isn't like malicious she's just a selfish prick um and it's kind of fun because it gives the series a fun angle where you see the demons basically tying themselves in knots trying to figure out what the hell the princess is up to you can't do that that's against the law oh no ow sort of thing where um she just kind of runs roughshod over their particular rules and settings and what they expect out of her um and so yeah i really quite like this series it's quite dense like the chapters are about 12 pages long it packs in a lot of artwork and detail it has a lot of imagination in it like you see the human and um, demon worlds and there's like flying giant trees and floating islands and everyone is really like dynamic and there's loads and loads of like background characters all over the shop in the demon world and it's all crazy detailed like you meet a guy in chapter two called scissor man um who whose arm is made of scissors and crazy elaborate and again a lot of the stuff in this looks like a complete pain in the ass to draw because it's so detailed and even just throwaway background scenes have tons of detail and extra characters milling around and it gives the series this kind of vibrancy that really elevates the admittedly quite absurd premise um but it, it kind of accelerates it into this really crazy like wide-eyed broad like sort of scope of 
asshole girl wants to have a nap uh, um, and so yeah um it kind of goes from there um i've read a few i've read ahead of this and so it continues to go strong at least into volume three so the premise doesn't really get old which is a tall order for given that it's just like princess wants nap um but she kind of finds ways to make herself more and more of a pain in the ass um and like break out of stuff and it has a good sort of mix between being cute and sometimes a little bit comically violent um like when she finds some flying bed sheets um, which are living creatures and so yeah i quite like this series um i also heard apparently it's also an anime this season sorry <laughs> oof it's also an anime this series and one of my friends mentioned it to me the other day that he's picked it up and i was like oh the manga is real good and he said yeah the anime is good and i'm like hooray it works so kind of i i feel like this would work really well as an anime just because of how goony and also quite how how much there is in the actual material um but this isn't an anime podcast um sadly but um, um andy what did you think about this do you okay with me inflicting this upon you yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of covered the, the main word that really made this work for me, and that's that it's so imaginative. Like, because if you break this down to its absolute core concept, and it is literally one joke over and over again. Totally. But because it, because it really kind of goes the extra mile in every chapter to, you know, create characters to effectively kind of like really leaning into that kind of whole video game trapping of like, well, obviously, we have to have characters to uh, to let the princess solve this puzzle, even if it means creating, you know, basically Bibendum, but a demon version in this world, and you know, having like a tire demon. You know, that's what we need to do, and it's really fun just watching the series do that every chapter and just like throwing ridiculous kind of crazy and like you say quite often surprisingly detailed character designs into sort of an already busy world and kind of just making it all work and that was sort of the the fun part of it for me because you sort of you know the cadence that you're you're coming into for every chapter here it's like oh there's a reason why the princess can't sleep she finds a solution to it or you know albeit perhaps a slightly wonky one you know chapter ends but it's always just enjoyable to read through that because you just kind of want to see what is going to go on in the world that lets her fix that like what weird demons are going to kind of crop up to to sort of enable that and the 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 fact that it's so imaginative and the fact that it it does such a good job and puts the effort into really making those characters kind of look interesting really goes a long long way with it no, I agree. I definitely agree with you. I think the cra- I think, as you say, it's very imaginative, and it kind of bends all of that imagination to providing this really like terrifyingly rich strata and background material for the princess to kind of fuck up. Um, she is basically a protagonist, well, like a an actual like game protagonist who breaks all the rules, and so. Like you say, you end up with things like the tire demon, um, who ends up being a number of comic kill um, gags. All the time, the princess sleeps on a poisonous mushroom, and so then she runs into the poison apple brothers, um, who do not survive her, the activity of meeting her. And they're kind of just a weird sideshow, but they're basically a set of new characters who just get kind of like offered on the chopping block to this like evil princess. And you start to get like a recurring series of um, characters like that armadillo um, quill dude, you know, the um, the hedgehog looking mofo and also the big dog 
And so all of them kind of just get subordinated towards this like terrifying quest of the princess to nap. Um, and yeah, it kind of revels in that where it kind of enjoys this like big, big act of building up this big, big sort of world with all these demons and all this like rules and order and what, and then just knocking it all over and saying, nah, sod it. We don't care about your fantasy demon war. We just want to sleep. Um, so that's what kind of I enjoy about it. And that's also why. It always seems so, as I say, it seems so lavish with all the background details and just random ass stuff constantly, like, um, like taking up the space. Like, there's a lot of art on this. Like, there's one thing you say for sure is there's a lot of art, um, which is good fun, especially when you have this wide eyed little goblin of a princess, like, wandering through it, going, hmm, I wonder how I can abuse all this. Yeah. And it, it, I, I think the other thing that really kind of helps is that it, it always knows when to end a chapter. Like it never outstays its welcome. Totally. Like it's, I, I mean, I, interestingly, kind of, I, I was sort of reminded, like talking about those sort of, you know, poisoned brothers. Like that's probably the closest that series comes to finding one gag and just kind of like running it into the ground. But even then, like it knows when it hits the ground and it's just like, okay, that's it. That's when I stop her. Cause like that whole kind of chapter where she's just kind of going around, just eating everything. So like, oh, I must be hungry. That's why I'm not sleepy. And just like kind of that just goes and goes. And just at the point where it feels like it's maybe going to run too long, that's when it ends it. And th- there are so many comedy series that kind of find a good gag and then just like hammer on it until it's incredibly boring like this somehow even though you know the core of it is just that one gag it it always knows when to stop when to stop and when to move on to the next thing yeah i feel like especially that um that chapter in particular like it opens with another MacGuffin to help that then spawns the whole i must be neat i must be hungry um section um which again it it breaks down the MacGuffin at the end of the chapter and goes yep done dust hands like don't worry about it um we're done there's no need to worry about that i mean there's even like this weird you know because obviously like as the series goes the princess accrues more and more sleep gear and at one point she even has to offload a bunch of it which is fun in its own right because you get another character introduced and then you find out a bunch of creepy like failed experiments without the series needing to actually like go back to the well-worn ground that it previously trodden on um so that's that's fun it kind of um, keeps up this very brisk cadence to it um which again it really helps when you have like kind of one joke but infinite ways of telling it or like spinning off of it um i mean you know she she goes on this weird 10 page quest to like claim the legendary sword because she wants something to reset her biological clock because she's been living in eternal darkness because demon world um which is pretty funny as like a weird little sort of storyline while everyone's like what is going on oh oh well fuck it let her get on with it <laughs> whatever yeah and i i think that's where like although you're kind of right that this does have a different kind of cadence to tis time for torture princess it does also inhabit a decent amount of the same kind of space where it, it becomes clear very quickly that there's no actual real threat here like i mean to the extreme as you mentioned like you know it becomes a running gag of like I, I'm just bored of reviving you at this point. Can you please just stop dying? Um, but like, you know, there's no threat. None of the demons are actually, you know, maniacally evil or have any particular evil intent. As you say, it's all just because like, well, it's just our job to do this. Like we're not really invested in, in doing anything particularly, particularly, uh, malign here. And so it does just kind of very quickly build up this kind of space that is just safe to play around in basically you know there's never any kind of real urgency to any of it it's just a kind of little goofy romp 
Yeah, totally. Um, but one I enjoyed, and one I certainly enjoyed. Um, yeah, I must admit, I feel it's better to read this in cha- a few chapters at a time because when I I read through the entire volume for this um, episode, I mean, I've already read it before, but reading for the entire volume was a little bit of a slog just because of how dense it is. So it's a case of maybe just pick this up when <laughs> maybe have a little bit of bedtime reading of a few chapters rather than try and binge the whole thing. Um, yeah, that might wear I- you out a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was the one thing that really surprised me about this, because, yeah, like, I sat down to read it thinking, like, ah, you know, I, I kind of, I, I know the broad strokes of this, I know it's kind of like a goofy comedy series, this isn't going to take me long to read through, but, like, it is surprisingly dialogue-heavy and surprisingly busy in every kind of page and every panel that I was, you know, I'd been kind of reading it for, for quite a while, I was at the sort of point in time where normally I'd typically have finished a, a volume of manga in terms of, like, time frame, and then I just kind of, like, looked at the page count and I was, like, halfway through... And it was kind of, you know, luckily it's enjoyable and kind of bright and breezy enough that it wasn't a like, oh, okay, this is this is going to take me a while to kind of grumble, grumble. But it was like a case of like, oh man, there is, even when you're reading it, like there's a lot more to it than it actually feels like in the moment somehow because it is very dense and actually surprisingly kind of wordy and verbose for the, the, the kind of series that it is. Yeah, totally. There's a lot, there's a lot there on the page, like, because you'll have pa- like entire pages which are like really like, carefully and delicately well not delicately but they're very well spaced out where it has a lot of panels and each panel has its important place and its speech and everything and it it's just very dense i've already said that i'm gonna cut that bit sorry but yeah it is very it's a very dense manga and it uses it well but yeah maybe just don't try and um binge the whole thing in one go or it might wear you out a bit uh it'll make you want a happier nap of your own i suppose <laughs> exactly yeah but yeah I, I i greatly enjoy this as i say i've continued through this and i have like one or two more volumes to read that i've downloaded but not read yet so you know i haven't gotten bored of it yet at three volumes so i think that's also like a thumbs up from me um yeah yeah that that is interesting because yeah like i mean i must admit when i kind of looked and saw that there are 16 volumes in japan i kind of like blanched at that a little bit of like how far can you go with this joke like and i, I am curious as to i feel like it must have to change things up at some point because you know even this for the first volume there's a sort of there's a certain escalation to it but you can't really see how far it could go with that before it kind of like runs out of road yeah i mean admittedly um, I, we mentioned Tis Time for Torture Princess, and that's been going for what sixty chapters at this point. Um, so that's been that's also been going for quite a while. Obviously, not as long as this has, but that's also been going quite a long. And materially, the gag is kind of the same. Um, I mean, that one has a lot more scope, or it has branched out quite a lot. Even though, you know, at the end of the day, you're still starting and ending inside that cell in the Demon Castle. So. That I think if there's any uh, if there's any sign that that's you can kind of keep that stuff going for a while, it's um, the princess trapped in a demon castle uh, genre. Or yeah, you know. yeah, that 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 is that is true. But yeah, like I think that's the thing. Like you know, it's time for torture. Sort of feels like it has a it has a kind of whole wealth. Like it can basically visit anything within that framework. Whereas this, because it's so like focused on the, its characters, kind of one desire. It sort of feels like feels like it's boxed itself in, but I mean, if it's gone, if you've got through three volumes without it kind of running out of road, then maybe maybe that does bode well for it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I quite enjoy it, and also like I, I one thing I want to call out is how lavish the cover art is. It's kind of wild, um, just how much stuff is in the cover, and also how most of the stuff on the cover is actually in the volume as well, which is a nice little nod to itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like the the artwork for this is kind of like feels like it's better than it should be for like a comedy manga. 
to be honest. Totally. Because there's usually there's usually a pretty kind of not low quality kind of feel to, to most kind of comedy series, but you know, they're they're normally pretty restrained and pretty much a case of like get the job done and you know just find some put all your time into the goofy faces whereas this really kind of goes for it from page one and then just kind of keeps that up for the entire volume totally yeah the the consistency is wild i mean there's quite a few scenes where the princess has caused a commotion amongst the demon residents and you'll see crowd scenes and you'll look at them and go bloody hell that's a lot of different demons you've had to draw <laughs> like there's a lot of detail there and that's again one of the reasons i kind of love this series is the the sheer amount of life they put into the the like the demon castle and like how you know you could quite easily just make it mob enemies but instead you've got like a dragon hanging out and you've got other stuff going on in the foreground and you know just wild stuff popping off um which really fill it out and make it feel chaotic i suppose really like a chaotic demon castle so it's fun to see um yeah that's, that's kind of one thing i really appreciate about it is the sheer just imagination on display which i know i've mentioned before uh, but yeah i'm kind of a big fan of this um kind of glad to revisit it um and kind of rekindle that like and go yeah this is good i do enjoy this like i there's there's um there's plenty to love in this series at least myself yeah yeah it's, de- it's definitely uh definitely an enjoyable read for me like i i I don't know. It definitely like if it comes on sale again, then I might be tempted to to grab some more volumes just because it's uh, it's an enjoyable read for sure. Totally, um, certainly, yeah, certainly an unusually it, it punches above its weight. I believe, like especially when you look at both the premise and also just the the setup of like, oh, really? Just you want to sleep? But then it goes for it. So for that, I salute it. Frankly, cool. Unless you got anything else to mention about um, Sleepy Princess in a Demon Castle, Andy? No, I think that is it. Cool. So we'll put that one to bed. Ha ha ha. Um, so Andy, moving on to your pick, if you want to take it away. Yeah, so my pick for this episode is uh, Kizumi-kun, Can't You Read the Room? Uh, which is uh, written by uh, Moscow, not the capital. Um, published by Yen Press. It is complete at eight volumes. Um, and this series, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I kind of picked it up on a whim because uh, kind of Yen Press's marketing uh, spiel for it was that, hey, if you like Monthly Girls and Zaki-kun, you'll really like this, which is a pretty high bar to set for any series, to be fair. Like, if you like one of the best comedy manga of recent years, you'll like this. Kind of sets, sets expectations at a pretty high level. Totally. Um, and so, because we can, is the story, it's seen through the eyes of... Uh, Erika Sakura, who is the school's most kind of popular girl, like she's that girl everybody is confessing to, but she's not really interested in any of them. Uh, and for reasons that I think even she can't quite fathom out herself, the one boy that is always catching her eye is uh, one of her classmates, Kizumi, who is a, a silent, a silent character. Like we never hear him speak, um, although it, it's clear at, at later points that he does actually talk, just not very often. Um, and you know, he just he, he he's he's living his best life. He's doing his own thing, um, and you know, he's kind of just sort of ignored really by everybody else for the most part who he doesn't don't really pay him any heed um yeah, he's not he like just... he's not like exiled from the class or anything he's just part he's just there he's like a normal guy <laughs> so yeah yeah pretty much and as, as erica herself kind of like constantly like mentions like he's just like plain and boring looking like there's nothing kind of really interesting about him in general um uh, but for some reason and perhaps because of that she sort of finds herself 
constantly kind of like watching what he's doing, etc., etc. Um, another character also kind of comes on the scene later on, Helena, who is your typical kind of delinquent who isn't actually. Like everybody assumes that he's like a, a delinquent and a bully, and there's all these rumors about, you know, him beating up countless people, etc., etc. Whereas actually he's just a nice misunderstood guy uh, who hangs out with Kizumi simply because Kizumi's the only one who just kind of like doesn't recoil in fear from him. Mm. Um, and so that kind of character sort of adds a bit of an extra dimension to it. On, uh, by on that I'm... character, I kind of can't wait to hear the obviously like anticlimactic backstory of his scar above his eyebrow. Like you just know there's going to be a backstory about that and it's going to be something real stupid. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, the, the addition of that character basically doubles the quotient of jokes that this series has because it kind of goes from only really having one joke to having two. Um, but unlike kind of Sleepy Princess, it really doesn't have very anything very interesting to do with its kind of one note jokes. Like, it feels like it's just treading the same, the same tired kind of water over and over and over again. Like, in, in some ways, it feels, in, in places, it feels like a really kind of dull, unimaginative version of My Neighbor Seki, which kind of yep, had... Yeah, I, I got that sim- in my notes as well. You got, you- yeah, it's, which at least has, it has the, the, the same kind of, like, starting blocks of kind of, like, female character watching male character doing odd stuff at his desk at school. Um, but, like, then it doesn't, it doesn't have any of the kind of imaginational ideas beyond that to really, to really make that work. And it just feels like it's constantly just in this cycle of the same things over and over again. Like, even kind of Erica's kind of, Sundera, if you like, nature towards kind of how she feels about Kizumi. It doesn't really do anything interesting with that. It's just the constant same cycle of like, oh no, no, I don't like him to people when she does really. And I mean, it kind of tries to throw sort of an extra dimension in right at the end of this volume but by then I was way 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 past caring about anything that was happening and was just kind of relieved that it was over because it was pretty dull yeah um, I'm I'm with you um that last uh, honestly um that last pa- the very last panel of this first volume has that like extra like proposed wrench to throw in the works and by then I'm like oh come on like also that wrench does not look interesting in any way to throw into the works like it there's nothing interesting to it um but no the main thing i kind of came back to over and over again in my notes is just that the series felt kind of excruciatingly shallow um i mean i i'm 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 gonna reference nazaki kum because the series itself does so you can't blame me um for doing this but basically with nazaki kun you have quite a lot to the characters like the characters have stuff to them they have their motivations they have their hobbies and the most that you kind of get out of this is that um kuzumi kun likes birds and that is it we like there is nothing to sakura there's almost nothing apart from a few anecdotes to Harana, the delinquent and we know the test scores of of sakura's friends and that is it that is it there is nothing to these characters and it makes it a nightmare because as you say it's the same joke over and over again it's a it's kind of a four panel manga but wide so it takes up the entire width of the page rather than having two four panel strips vertically um and it does mix it up a bit sometimes you get three panels on a page or they cut the the horizontal width in half but that's kind of it and it's 
very much one gag per page and it's often the same exact gag of like you know sakura pining for um for kuzumi or kuzumi doing something off panel when you're not seeing him like they go to karaoke and of course she steps away the moment he sings and so we get we miss out on that um and it's as i say extremely extremely shallow because there's just nothing to dig into to find anything more to dredge out of the characters um i mean the one thing i'll say is that the first three chapters are kind of like prologue chapters which i think were like you know either one shot or like you know um spec drawn on spec chapters that are extremely flat in in artwork and then you know once it kicks into chapter one two three plus it gets a more filled out art style with actual backgrounds and a little more to the characters um but it still doesn't really have much in the way of actual character development or character in general at all and you know that's it's kind of a shame but also it's a it's a problem of of the series own making um i mean at the risk of being mean you could also alternatively title title it sakura san just ask him out um which would of course then completely kill the most of the gags in the series of having sakura just kind of mill about in the foreground um the draw the birds are well drawn though there's a cute um but yeah i there's just not enough to this that and i ended up kind of same as you i ended up bored out of my mind reading it and quite often i took a break from it just to kind of pet the cat instead who was on my lap and that was more entertaining because at least the cat stretched every now and then um which is a bit mean to say but honestly i it was very hard to slog through um yeah no, it's it's uh, yeah, I I absolutely kind of had the the same experience, and yeah, it, it's strange because like you also you know, we, pet we, my cat. <laughs> well, no, apart from that part, sadly. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a strange thing, like when you look at that kind of Nazaki comparison, because it's like sure, Nazaki's kind of like an unusual, unknown Takatan character for like literally a chapter in that series, and then almost immediately you kind of they start to flesh out like what he's really like what he's really about why he is the way he is etc etc like once you get to chap this is almost like if the first chapter of nazaki kim was stretched out into like a volume plus and it's like you know it's a very strange frame of comparison because they're really kind of in completely different worlds and uh yeah there's just really nothing you can kind of hang your hat on here because even if there was just one character that had something going for them or something kind of you were interested or intrigued by that it could kind of get you on the hook for, then maybe it would have something. But here it's just like, you know, sure, we don't know anything about Kismikum, but also don't really care because, like, there's not really any any kind of suggestion that there's anything worth caring about there. Yeah, I feel like the best gag about, around Kismikum comes in the, like, the omake four panel where harina pushes down his like little like basically tomato um sprout bedhead where he has a little three-pronged like almost like um adidas logo on top of his head and he pushes it down and it points back into place and that was probably the best gag in the entire volume <laughs> which and also someone on twitter like literally just posted the like lately boxes have been getting popular with us um gag from zaki kun and that like is already like kind of funnier than most of this volume whoops so yeah yeah 
that and yeah. it feels mean to call out an exact single gag but that is a really good joke in nozaki kun that funnel that fuels a single chapter and um is really really funny and so this series kind of pales in comparison and also just on its own rights is dull like i don't really care about the main female character sakura um because it's the exact same gag over and over again like there is there could be something there but there isn't shown and yeah they all the characters are one bullet point so shrug yeah yeah i mean i recall there being kind of one moment that kind of uh, at least maybe like made, made me smile a bit in this running but i can't even remember what that joke was anymore because it was just kind of like it was sort of lost in a, in a sea of, of, of indifference in, in the end of it and uh yeah that's that's kind of not, not what you really want from a, a comedy series yeah, I've got my notes here, but it is really me complaining and bemoaning the how shallow it is over and over again. Um, yeah, and birds. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing we know about Kuzumi-kun that I've got in my notes is that sometimes he wears glasses instead of contacts. And that's it. Like, that, that's it. There's there's nothing there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, in, in I a mean, way... I mean, not, sorry, Andy, um, but to kind of contrast it to the previous series we talked about, Sleepy Princess, like... We worry for back then. You look at the premise of Sleepy Con- Princess and you think, "Wow, how does it fit like thirteen, sixteen volumes with stuff?" And you know, it manages to at least fill the first two. I would argue. Uh, whereas Kuzumi Kun, it has its premise, um, but it doesn't really even manage to fill one one volume, and it's eight volumes long. And so it's like, oof, I don't want to. I'd rather not read the next seven volumes of this, honestly. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that is kind of the the fascinating comparison point. Like you know, completely by accident, having picked these two series because they both kind of you know start from the same point of like, hey, we've we've got one idea and we're just going to run with it. But like the 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 sheer gulf in kind of imagination and how to make use of a single gag to fill out a volume and more is kind of quite astonishing, really. Totally. So yeah, I yeah I'm. I... It's it's a shame because I think there is some every now and then there's like a glint of there maybe being something nice to this, but it just never really seems to coalesce in this series. So kind of okay to put this back on the pile, honestly, and um, leave it be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd go as far as to say like maybe, maybe they just missed a word out of the, the the materials, and actually it should have said if you're a fan of Nazaki, can don't read this. Ah, oh, come you'll on, you'd be disappointed. Come on, Andy, you work in marketing. You know that some <laughs> poor copywriter has to like they have to put something in the box, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I, I can totally it. see how. I mean, as you say, the problem is that, like, it, it, so Nazaki Kun, if you take chapter one where Sakura is besotted with Nazaki that's the one gag it emulates and then and then of course the thing is the difference is that nazaki kun goes into full-on crazy town where she becomes his assistant meets a bunch of other weirdo characters kashima seo something 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 and off it goes to the races and forevermore whereas this series just kind of stays on that first chapter premise of kia i like you um yeah so that's that's the difference between the two series really for me um yeah exactly man i should check if there's more volumes of nazaki kun come out I'm pretty sure there is. I'm pretty sure I saw one recently. I mean, I can't re- even remember how much of it I've read in in manga form. Yeah, I read I read volume eleven, and even I remember reading it and going, "Damn, this is at eleven volumes now." Um, I have to check. Anyway, something to see. This is the problem: is that when you have to talk about a manga, you don't find that interesting. You keep finding ways to talk about other manga. <laughs> so, whoops. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm kind of tapped out on this one, Andy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same same here. Very much uh, not going to be reading any more any more of this. Uh, and also, if you, if you want to know how the the relationship ends up, just check the cover for volume eight and the, the synopsis, and it'll tell you. And then you can probably just ignore it from there on. That is one problem with manga. Sometimes is you pick the wrong volume, and it's like whoa, ah, spoiler! <laughs> Close your eyes. Um, fun fun problems of buying stuff, and also continuing to sell new volumes. Oh dear. But yeah, so that's um, Kazumi-kun Can't You Read the Room, um, from as mentioned, from Yen Press. Um, so we're moving on to uh, what we're talking about next time. So my pick is a slightly strange one, because I could have sworn we talked about this already, uh, but apparently not. So I went to try and talk about it in Returning Champions this week, but then found out that we hadn't talked about it at all. So we need to fix that. We need to fix that pretty sharpish. So I have picked Volume 1 of Flying Witch. And Andy, how about you? Yeah, so my pick is is mostly I, I'm going to put this down in that this is other people's fault category because I've seen people talking about this in some interesting ways recently. So I figured I'd pick it up against perhaps my my own better interests. Um, but uh, I have chosen volume one of Sweat and Soap. Mm, yeah, one I've one I've also heard positive things about, although I don't believe them. But we'll see. Keep an open mind. Uh, I think it's up to like three volumes now. They've been coming out kind of a fast clip, kind of fascinating. So anyway, moving on to close down, uh, you can find us at screentone.club, our website. We have links to all of our previous episodes. Um, if you like the podcast, please consider telling a friend. That's still the best and easiest way for podcasts to get a new audience. Um, retweet. We've got a Twitter feed at um, Screentone Club, all one word. Uh, feel free to jump on us there. We we made a banger of a Halloween tweet, which has been in the Twitter queue for no less than four months because um, we knew we had to make it. Um, so... Other things, um, we have uh, an email address, show at screentone.club. Feel free to send us something there. Uh, my name is Elliot Page, and you can find me um, at Elliot Page on Twitter, um, where, as mentioned, posting pictures of my cat. And Andy, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah's1979. Cool. So, yeah, um, thank you very much for listening. A bit of a short one there. We kind of got to the point and um, closed it all off. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, stay safe out there, and good night. Bye, everyone.